Hello, and welcome to Pure Evil, a true crime podcast, and I'm your host, Courtney. In this podcast, we will not only discuss the heinous crimes committed, but also go in-depth of the background and psychological makeup of these killers. You can expect to hear cases ranging from cold cases, solved homicides, and missing persons. So let's dive in. In this week's episode, we'll be taking an in-depth look into the life and crime of Ed Gein. Best known as the Plainfield Ghoul, the Butcher of Plainfield, or as an inspiration for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Edward Theodore Gein was born August 27, 1906, to George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmine Gein in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Ed had an older brother named Henry George Gein, who died in a tragic accident, which we will discuss later on in this episode. Ed's mother, Augusta, was deeply religious and Lutheran. She preached to her sons about the immortality of the world, the evil of drinking, and her belief that all women besides herself were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil. She reserved time every afternoon to read to them from the Bible, usually selecting verses from the Old Testament and the Book of Revelation concerning death, murder, and divine retribution. Augusta's strict view of life sowed the seeds of sexual confusion in a dulcet ed. His natural attraction towards girls clashed with his mother's warnings of eternal damnation. Augusta hated her husband, an alcoholic who was unable to keep a job, but due to their religious beliefs, divorce was completely out of the question. George had worked at various times as a carpenter, tanner, and insurance salesman. During his time in La Crosse, George owned a local grocery store, but he soon sold the business and left the city with his family to live in isolation on a 155-acre farm in the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, which later became the Gein family's permanent residence. Augusta took advantage of the farm's isolation by turning away outsiders who could have influenced her sons. Ed and his brother only left the farm to attend school. Outside of school, Ed spent most of his time doing chores on the farm. Ed was shy, and classmates and teachers remembered him as having strange mannerisms, such as seemingly random laughter as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. To make matters worse, Augusta punished him whenever he tried to make friends. Despite his poor social development, Ed did fairly well in school, particularly in reading. On April 1, 1940, Ed's father, George, died of heart failure due to his alcoholism at the age of 66. Henry and Ed began doing odd jobs around town to help cover living expenses. The brothers were generally considered reliable and honest by residents of the community. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors. He enjoyed babysitting, seeming to relate more easily to children than adults. Henry began dating a divorced mother of two and planned to move in with her. He worried about his brother's attachment to their mother and often spoke ill of her around Ed, who responded with shock and hurt. On May 16, 1944, Henry and Ed were burning away marsh vegetation on the property when the fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, the fire having been extinguished and the firefighters gone, Ed reported his brother missing. With lanterns and flashlights, a search party searched for Henry, whose dead body was later found lying face down. Apparently, he had been dead for some time, and it appeared that the cause of death was heart failure since he had not been burned or injured otherwise. It was later reported by biographer Harold Scheider that Henry had bruises on his head. 
The police dismissed the possibility of foul play, and the county coroner later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. The authorities accepted the accident theory, but no official investigation was conducted and no autopsy was performed. Ed and his mother, Augusta, were now alone. Augusta had a paralyzing stroke shortly after Henry's death, and Ed devoted himself to taking care of her. Sometime in 1945, Ed later recounted he and his mother visited a man named Smith, who lived nearby to purchase straw. According to Ed, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. A woman inside the Smith home came outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. Augusta was extremely upset by the scene. However, what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality toward the dog, but rather the presence of the woman. Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith and so had no business being there and angrily called her Smith's harlot. She had a second stroke soon after and her health deteriorated rapidly. Augusta died on December 29, 1945 at the age of 67. Ed was completely devastated by her death. In the words of the author, Harold Scheider, he said, lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in this world. After the passing of his beloved mother, Ed held on to the family farm and earned money from odd jobs. He boarded up the rooms used by his mother, including the upstairs, downstairs parlor, and living room, leaving them completely untouched. While the rest of the home became increasingly cramped, these rooms remained pristine. Ed lived thereafter in a small room next to the kitchen. Around this time, he became interested in reading pulp magazines and adventure stories, particularly those involving cannibals or Nazi atrocities. On the morning of November 16, 1957, Bernice Warden, the Plainfield hardware store owner, disappeared. A local resident reported that the hardware store truck had been driven out from the rear of the building at around 9.30 a.m. The hardware store saw a few customers the entire day. Some area residents believed that this was because of deer hunting season. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Frank Warden told investigators that on the evening before his mother's disappearance, Ed had been in the store and that he was to have returned the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning that she disappeared. On the evening of the same day, Ed was arrested at a West Plainfield grocery store and the local sheriff's department searched the Gein family farm. On the family farm, the deputies discovered Warden's decapitated body in a shed, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrists. The torso was dressed out like a deer. She had been shot with a 22 caliber rifle with the mutilations being made after her death. While searching the house and the property, authorities located whole human bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, skulls on his bedpost, female skulls, some with the top sewn off, bowls made from human skulls, a corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist, leggings made from human leg skin, masks made from the skin of female heads, a face mask in a paper bag, skull in a box, Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gein's potbelly stove, Nine vulvae in a shoebox, a young girl's dress in the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old, a belt made from female human nipples, 
four noses, a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, fingernails from female fingers, and all these artifacts were photographed at the state crime laboratory and then decently disposed of. When questioned about the findings, Ed told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a daze-like state. On about 30 of those visits, he said that he came out of the daze while in the cemetery, left the grave in good order, and returned home empty-handed. On the other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. Ed admitted to stealing from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Alan Wobmowski of the State Crime Laboratory participated in opening three test graves identified by Ed. The caskets were inside wooden boxes. The top boards ran crossways, not lengthways. The tops of the boxes were about 2 feet 61 centimeters below the surface in sandy soil. Ed had robbed the graves soon after the funerals while the graves were not completed. The test graves were exhumed because authorities were uncertain as to whether the slight Ed was capable of a single-handedly digging up a grave during a single evening. They were found as he described. Two of the exhumed graves were found empty. One had a crowbar in place of a body. One casket was empty, one casket Ed had failed to open when he lost his pry bar, and most of the body was gone from the third grave. Yet Ed had returned rings and some body parts. Thus, Ed's confession was largely corroborated. Soon after his mother's death, Ed began to create a woman suit so that he could become his mother to literally crawl into her skin. Creepy. He did deny having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining, they smell too bad. During the state crime laboratory interrogation, Ed also admitted to the shooting death of Mary Hogan, a tavern owner missing since 1954, whose head was found in his house, but he later denied memories of any details of her death. A 16-year-old youth whose parents were friends with Ed and who attended ball games and movies with him reported that he kept shrunken heads in his home, which he later described as relics from the Philippines sent by a cousin who had served on the islands during World War II. Upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be human facial skins carefully peeled from corpse and used by Ed as masks. Ed was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, a local babysitter. During questioning, Sheriff Art Sheely reportedly assaulted Ed by banging his head and face into a brick wall. As a result, Ed's initial confession was ruled inadmissible. Art Sheely died of heart failure at age 43 in 1968 before Ed's trial. Many who knew Art Sheely knew he was traumatized by the horror of Ed's crimes, and this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Ed, caused his death. One of his friends later said he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him. On November 21, 1957, Ed was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Ed was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, now known as the Dodge Correctional Institute, a maximum security facility, and later was transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. 
1968, doctors determined Ed was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his own defense. The trial began on November 7, 1968, and lasted one week. A psychiatrist testified that Ed had told him that he did not know whether the killings of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Ed had told him that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the gun went off, killing her. Ed testified that after trying to load a bullet into the rifle, it discharged. He said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and did not remember anything else that happened that morning. At the request of the defense, Ed's trial was held without a jury with Judge Robert H. Gulmer presiding. Ed was found guilty by Judge Gulmer on November 14th. A second trial dealt with Ed's sanity after testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense Judge Gulmer ruled Ed not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him committed to Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Ed spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital. Judge Gulmer wrote, Due to prohibitive cost, Ed was tried for only one murder, that of Miss Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan. Ed died at the Mendota Mental Health Institute due to respiratory failure secondary to lung cancer on July 26, 1984 at the age of 77. Over the years, Sylvanier Seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery until the stone itself was stolen in 2000. It was recovered in June of 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and was placed in storage at the County Sheriff's Department. The gravesite itself is now unmarked, but not unknown. Ed is buried between his parents and brother in that cemetery. Join me next week in a new episode of Pure Evil.